Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. The Minnesota Vikings are expected to hire Rams offensive coordinator Kevin O'Connell as their new head coach. Wait, what? Oh, you thought Jim Harbaugh was going to get that job. Yeah, apparently so did Jim Harbaugh. But that's not how it's going to go, apparently. Not according to Tom Pelissero. He reports, quote, The Vikings met with Michigan coach Jim Harbaugh for nine hours today, but the team didn't make an offer per source. So Harbaugh returns to Ann Arbor, and Kevin O'Connell soon is expected to head to Minnesota. End quote. Nine hours? Nine freaking hours. And nothing to show for it. Actually, worse than nothing. You got to go back to your old place and see if they will take you back. How do you meet for nine hours and leave with nothing? Not even a Vikings hat or a tee? I mean, what a brutal kick to the package. A steel toe boot right to the fruit stand. Harbaugh shows up there expecting to get that job and gets nothing. Pack your bags, hit the bricks, all of it. In other words, he got the old Doug Collins dunk. If you're getting ready for work with the Vikings right now, you're probably not Jim Harbaugh. If you're getting ready for work right now, then you're probably not Doug Collins. According to The Athletic, quote, the Vikings did not make an offer to Harbaugh before he left Minnesota, something he was expecting when he left Ann Arbor. Multiple sources told The Athletic, end of quote. Man, that is rough. That's bad. And apparently it gets even worse. Quote, the situation between Harbaugh and the Vikings seemed to take a turn mid-afternoon, but it wasn't clear what caused it. Sources told the Athletics' Bruce Feldman. End of quote. So what happened? Did he get weird? I mean, something happened. It always does with this guy. But normally it takes a year or two for him to get on the wrong side of just about everyone that he works for or with. Not an hour or two. And especially not in an interview for a gig that you know he wanted. At a time when you have to be leveled up and squared away. In other words, the hell did this guy do to jack this thing up? I mean, what's worse than interviewing nine hours for a job? Jacking up that interview about four and a half hours in and totally screwing up the entire situation and returning without an offer. If you're sitting down for a second interview that's nine hours long, you're in the driver's seat. You've got a really good look at that job, especially if you're letting it leak the day before that you expect to get that job. But then you butcher it? Hey, let's not fall for the spin here. This was not a matter. It would not appear to be a matter of Jim Harbaugh heading to Minnesota to have a sit down with them for nine hours on National Signing Day. And then rejecting them. Doubt that happened. You don't go to a nine-hour in-person second interview on National Signing Day if you're not 100% convinced that you're going to get that job. Because the optics are terrible. Even he had to know that. Yes, I know he'd already had most of his recruiting class sorted out. But doing that on National Signing Day is a terrible look. I mean, it's awful. The only way you can pull that off is if you do not come back. You go for a second interview, you do it in person, and you do it on National Signing Day, that's burning the boats. You're doing that, and you're expecting to stay exactly where you are. And from the sounds of it, he screwed it up, at least according to reports. And now he's got to go back to Michigan. Again, I'm having a really hard time believing that Harbaugh did all of that and then just decided, nope, I don't want that gig. Not for me. Not the right fit. The job that I already have is better than the one that I just interviewed for for nine hours in person. I mean, get the hell out of here with that. You know he wanted that job badly. Again, there's no way that was an informational interview. That was not a get-to-know-you conversation. That was a guy showing up, looking to close and seal the deal and was not able to finish. You know, he was all ready to throw on a purple hat and a purple sweatshirt and shout, Who's got it better than us? Nobody. 
Yeah, except for Kevin O'Connell, who's currently prepping for the Super Bowl, and then will take over as Vikings head coach, reportedly. Harbaugh wanted that gig. The guy who was all about Michigan men and Bo Schembechler and all that stuff was ready to kick all of that to the curb in a moment to coach the first NFL team that asked him to. Because it's not like that was a one-time thing either. There was all that noise about the Dolphins. Then there was all that noise about the Raiders. And then it was the Vikings. This dude was out here talking to anyone and everyone in the NFL willing to talk to him. Problem is, no one was willing to actually hire him. And now he's got to go back to Michigan. It's like my man got busted trying to run around on his lady, decided to move in with the side piece. Then the side piece decided she didn't like him and kicked his ass out. Now he's back on his own doorstep, holding his bags, hoping that Michigan will think it's all cool, it's all good. No harm, no foul. He hit Michigan with the old, I want to see other people, only for other people to tell him they don't want to see him. Again, you take that trip on National Signing Day. You're telling everybody at Michigan, I'm out of here. Good luck. I did my job. Peace out, losers. I can do better than you. Only to find out you can't do better than them. So make no mistake. Hard to imagine this guy rejecting the Vikings. It would appear they rejected him. He thought he was gone. He really wanted to be gone. ESPN reported he had already been telling recruits about the possibility that he was leaving for the NFL. And then he got rejected, went up for the dunk, and clanked it off the rim. According to ESPN, after he got swatted by the Vikes, he told the AD, quote, this will not be a reoccurring issue. Yeah, sure it won't. That commitment will last about as long as the next NFL hiring cycle. And maybe, maybe not even that long. I mean, like, who's to say that Stephen Ross uh, won't be looking for a smokescreen or a distraction from all that crap that he's got flying around him right now? And doesn't pick up the phone and say, hey, uh, yo, Jim, I got a hundred grand for you for every loss, Arr! for every win. So again, to the question, who's got it better than us? Who's got it better than us? Kevin O'Connell, Josh McDaniels, whoever the Dolphins hire, whoever the Jaguars hire. Who's got it better than us? 32 NFL coaches. I mean, does Harbaugh know National Signing Day was for the players? And not coaches. Like the way this guy lays it out. It's like he was sitting at a card table. In a high school gym. And he's got two hats in front of him. The Vikings. And Michigan. And he chose. Wait for it. Michigan. Dude you talk to the Vikings for nine hours. Who does that? Who talks to anybody for nine hours? Nine times. I mean I love my wife. But I don't, I don't know that I've ever talked to her for nine hours. I love my kids. I don't know that I've ever spent nine hours talking to them. Congrats, Michigan. You got your guy. Congrats also to Ohio State and Michigan State and the rest of the conference. You also got your guy. Congratulations. Congrats. This guy's running around talking to anybody who will talk to him. And now he's like, hey, I'm right where I want to be. I'm home. Come on with that. Get out of here with that. Are you craving some protein after a good workout? Do not make a shake or eat a bar. Instead, grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Why Old Trapper? Because Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender and made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. Old Trapper is a family-owned business that takes smoked beef very seriously, and you can taste it in every single bite. Who wants dried tough beef in a bag. Nobody. It's like eating a shoe. Old Trapper is the real deal and it comes in four amazing flavors. Old Fashioned is sweetened with a touch of brown sugar goodness, teriyaki, peppered, and hot and spicy for those of you who like to take things up a notch. Next time you want a great protein and energy snack that you can have anytime, anywhere, grab some Old Trapper beef jerky. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Oh, Trapper, what's your beef? South, East, Wisco. Chris, what's going on, Chris? Hey, Jim, how you doing today, dude? Good, dude. How about you? I'm doing great, man. Hey, listen, I just wanted to address the boss-ass move Stucknut pulled when he called the show and gave you the impromptu opportunity of a lifetime. An invite to Kit's Bar to hang out with some of the most well-known and successful clones in the nation. But I was concerned for your safety, Jim. So 
So I did a background check on the place and found out it had a four-star status, along with being well-known as a bar with, quote, great comfort food. As a Hall of Famer comes great responsibility, and that includes mingling with your fans. I know the feeling, Jim. People are constantly begging me to be in their presence. So I just had a hunch that you would have a change of heart after finishing up your work yesterday, turn your S-Class Benzo around, and head on over to the HB Bar and Eatery to make a brief cameo. Who knows, maybe even consider inviting Tommy D, who's always dressed for that club life. No chance would you pass up the opportunity to hang out with the legendary jungle historian Stephen H. Town, the ultra-amiable pool physician, and last but not least, Silk Bag, very possibly the next governor of your beloved state of Cali. Although Matt in L.A. has always had your back, Jim, I was concerned that he might be distracted by the fact you shredded his coveted golden ticket. I didn't want Matt perceived as looking bad in the eyes of the show. He seems like such a loyal and quality type of dude that you would definitely want in your foxhole if the bleep was about to go down. So what did I do? I had Matt's back and yours, Jim. I scrambled, made a few calls, and put together an extract team and inserted them blocks away from kits. With so many celebs in one bar, you never know what could go down. The groupies, the selfie requests, etc. It would have been insane. My crew was ready and willing to provide security for you and your dudes and transport you safely to Silkbag's crib where you could party the night away in his high-end backyard hot tub, hammering Mick Ultras and or some generic variety of vodka. Unfortunately for the clones in Cali, my, soul, my sources told me you no-showed. It's understandable, Jim. You work long hours. Jim, last but not least, you already know, brother, that for those that don't, it's a dynasty, clones. It is, too. I would give him a golden ticket, but as far as I'm concerned, he's already in the field. Big game's coming up, right? Omaha Steaks has got the perfect package to save you over 50%. Now, I've been an enormous fan for years. I mean, literally for years of Omaha Steaks. They make it easy to enjoy an unforgettable game day meal to be loved and shared. And for a limited time, Omaha Steaks is offering a special touchdown game day package. Visit omahasteaks.com. Type in the keyword gym. That's a little bit different now. Keyword gym in the search bar and take advantage of this exclusive offer. Are you looking for more? Omaha Steaks makes it easy to warm up your winter with 50% off lean tender steaks and hearty home cooked favorites. Visit omahasteaks.com, enter gym in the search bar, and order the Heartland Favorites package. You will save over 50%, plus, you'll get four lean pork chops and four extra juicy chicken breasts every single time. Every order is backed by their 100% satisfaction guarantee, delivered safely safely to your doorstep. Omaha Steaks. Nobody comes close to matching their flavor, tenderness, and value. OmahaSteaks.com, keyword gym. Lakers end up beating the Blazers last night, yet they've still taken a major L over the last couple of days. They're two games under 500. Laker fans are about ready to snap off their car flags and start burning their jerseys. And you know what? Jerry West might join in. The logo spoke to Sam Amick for a piece in The Athletic. And I got to say, it's one of the more jaw-dropping things I've seen in quite some time. I wanted to get to it yesterday, but I had to hold it because it needs time. It needs space. Starting with the fact that West pretty much wishes that he never played for the Lakers. Can you imagine a statement like that? Quote, one disappointing thing about my career is that my relationship with the Lakers is horrible. I still don't know why. At the end of the day, when I look back, I say, well... Maybe I should have played somewhere else instead of with the Lakers, where someone would have had at least appreciated how much you give, how much you cared. End of quote. I mean, did I just read that right? Did I hear that? Jerry West saying that he wishes he had played for somebody other than the Lakers, somebody where he would have been appreciated. Again, we're not talking about just a great player. Great does not do this guy justice. This guy was so legendary. And so undeniable, he won the finals MVP on a losing team. That's how great a player he was. And not just a great player, he was a coach, a scout, 
an executive. He was with the Lakers for decades. He was the man behind numerous titles. In short, he was the Lakers. And now he wants nothing to do with the Lakers. And he can't figure out where it all went wrong. And says things like, maybe it would have been better if I never played for them. And can you blame the guy? Not when you hear what he had to say. There's a lot to the story, but it sure feels like the final straw was when they ripped his lifetime season tickets. Petty as hell. And if that weren't absurd enough, it's the way they did it that's even worse. According to West, they didn't even do it in person. Or with a phone call to him. Quote, it was a cold phone text to my wife. End of quote. I mean, there's petty, and then there's that bullcrap. If true, that is truly moronic. If true, that is truly idiotic. There is a statue of the guy outside your building. He practically built your building. And you're going to rip this guy's tickets from him. And you're going to do it by text to his wife. He went on, quote, No one had the nerve to call me, but that's how petty they are, okay? And I love the Lakers, okay? I love to see them do well. It's great for basketball. I'm proud of everything that happened when I was there. I'm proud of everything that happened when I wasn't there. The positives. But sometimes you feel like you're discarded like a piece of trash. And there's a couple of people over there. Not Genie, but there's a couple of people over there that, uh, I don't get it. I don't. I always had a great relationship with Genie. At least I thought I did. Now... I don't know where it is, or I don't know where it is now, end of quote. Yeah, I don't know either, Logo, but it sounds like it's pretty jacked up. It sounds pretty terrible. Pretty terrible if you feel like you were discarded like, quote, a piece of trash. You ripped this guy's season tickets. For who? For what? Like, how bitter and petty and classless would you have to be? What the hell could have possibly happened that you would take Jerry West's season tickets? What's next? Are you going to rip down a statue? Are you going to petition the league to rip the logo from the logo? Could you be any more disrespectful to this guy? And yes, I understand he went on to work with teams other than the Lakers. I understand where that might be awkward at times. There might even be some bad blood at times. But if you're the Lakers, you cannot do that guy like that. You just can't. You can't be a team that says... We're family. We value our tradition. We honor our legends. And then rip the logo season tickets via text message to his wife. I mean, are you bent that when he was with the Clippers and you guys were battling for Kawhi, he allegedly called the Lake Show a bleep show? Is that what you're uptight about? You know what? He was right. And it's not just about the season tickets. There was that moment when Jeannie Buss ran down her list of the five greatest Lakers and she left him off the list. Maybe it was a momentary brain freeze. But if so, that was one of the worst, dumbest brain freezes ever. And then you fix it and you correct it immediately and you apologize for it. Not only is he one of the five greatest Lakers, he might be the single greatest Laker. And I say that with no disrespect to Kobe or Irv or Kareem. Naturally, West was offended. He called it, quote, one of the most offensive things I've ever heard in my life. And you know what? He's not wrong because that list sure felt like a lot more than an oversight or an accident. It felt like a lot of bad blood coming to the surface. West said that the ticket thing did not come from Jeannie. But he says that, or it says here, that she had to know, right? There's no way some rogue, anonymous ticket clerk just decided in a vacuum that Jerry West doesn't get to keep his lifetime season tickets. Tickets that were pledged to him by Jeannie's dad. Like, I've got no idea how that went down. I really don't. But it sure feels like maybe, possibly, the Rambi had something to do with it. Just like everything else that's been weird and dumb and awful with the Lakers over the past few years, it's a decent bet that somehow the Rambi, Kurt and Linda, were involved. Just don't tell them there's any way that happened without Jeannie knowing. There's no way. And if she did, 
she should correct that immediately. Like, I respect her. I like her. I've had her on the show in the past. But this is embarrassing. It's embarrassing for her because she runs the place. It's embarrassing for the Bus family. It's embarrassing for the Lakers. It's embarrassing for everybody in purple and gold. You can't have Jerry West, of all people, feeling like, quote, a piece of trash and saying that he wished he'd played for somebody other than the Lakers. Like, I don't care what this guy said. I don't care what this guy did. I understand this guy has his own demons. But you take the high road. If you're the Lakers, you take the high road. You don't get petty. You don't get dumb. You don't get bitter. When it comes to legends, if you are who you say you are, you handle it the right way. And you fix it. And you make it right. You give him back his tickets. You apologize. You take either LeBron or Phil Jackson off that list, and you put Jerry West back on it, and you make it right. Come on, LeBron. LeBron's one of the greatest ever, but don't tell me he's one of the greatest Lakers ever. Come on, like, how? Where does that come from? Or Phil Jackson, one of the greatest Lakers ever? Jerry West played... And had a Hall of Fame career with the Lakers. He might have been a better executive than he was a player. And was a coach. And a scout. Come on, man. They're showing my guy, Eldon Campbell, more respect. They're showing Devon George more respect. They're showing Eddie Jones more respect. They're showing Nick Van Exel more respect. They're showing George Lynch more respect. They're showing Vlade more respect. They're showing Adam Morrison more respect. They're showing Sean Rooks more respect. They're showing Sadeo Threep more respect. They're showing Club Said more respect. Come on. They're showing Russell Westbrook more respect. Phil Jackson. They're showing Phil Jackson. Yeah, we're showing him way more respect. He's on the list. I mean, come on with that. The worst. Showing my man Gary Payton and Carl Malone more respect. Dennis Rodman's getting more respect. Ron Artest is getting more respect. I mean, these guys are all great players, but Chris Mims is getting more respect. I need to leave my guy Gail Goodrich off that list, by the way. Anyway, Jerry West deserves a hell of a lot better. Apologize to this guy and make it right. Hey, you want a new podcast to look forward to every single week? One that's entertaining, informative, and packed with actionable content? Of course you do. The average podcast listener has six shows in rotation, so you're most likely not just listening to The Daily Jungle, and that's totally fine. In fact, let me suggest a podcast that you should add to your list. It's The Jordan Harbinger Show, a top-shelf podcast named Best of Apple in 2018. Jordan dives into the minds of fascinating people, from athletes, authors, and scientists, to mobsters, spies, hostage negotiators, and more. Jordan is one of the goats when it comes to podcasting, and he has got one of the most highly rated self-development shows out there right now. Point blank, this dude is smart, he's funny, he is easy to listen to. You will find actionable advice that can improve your life directly. You cannot go wrong with adding the Jordan Harbinger Show to your rotation. It is incredibly interesting. There is never a dull show. Search for the Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Chris. Harris Jr. is my guest. Chris, great to have you back. How are you? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me. Always good to have you. So bring me up to date. We're a couple of weeks out from the end of the regular season, and free agency is underway. I want to get into that. But first off, what has the start of the offseason been like for you? What have you done the last couple of weeks? How are you processing all this? Man, it's just, you know, uh, kind of, you know, going into my 12th year, you just get in a routine, just have a routine, and, uh, for the first month, you know, I just like to rest. And I still get worked on, get stretching, do mobility, uh, flexibility, just to keep my flexibility and uh, being able to keep my hips loose and open. And, and right now it's really just uh, getting your body back in, 
you know, uh, back into in tune, back into alignment and recovery and uh, doing to get ready to do it all over again. Well, there you go. You got your system. You've got your process. You know, the season, of course, yeah. ended with that loss to the Raiders on the final kick of the regular season. I mean, talk about processing something. How painful was that loss, and how long did it take to get out of your system? Or maybe are you still working on that part? Yeah. Oh, no, we de- I'm definitely still working on that part to lose that game. And I mean, a couple games that we had this year was just, you know, we had a lot of uh, – walk-off uh, game winners, and uh, just the way of knowing that we had a talent on the team to definitely be in a tournament, have a chance, and to not uh, be able to ha- let Herbert get a chance to showcase what he can do, um, that's what definitely was a disappointment for sure. Chris, let me ask you, when you answer a question like that that way, let me ask you this. When you lose a game that big on the final kick, do you do any second-guessing from the game, plays that could have gone this way or that way, decisions that were made, anything like that? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, definitely you do that. Uh, you go through um, – I, I do that win or lose. You know, you go through uh, good plays and bad plays. But uh, especially when you lose that type of game, um, you always go back to, you know, you always kind of circle the what happened in overtime, you know. Overtime we had chances to win, and we just didn't uh, able to close it out. And uh, it was a great game, but uh, that's what makes it even tougher when you lose those tight games like that. Chris Harris Jr., my guest. All right, then. You signed a two-year deal with the Chargers back in 2020, so you are going to be a free agent this offseason. I'm curious, how are you approaching that process? Yeah. Oh, man, it's just, you know, it's, uh, same, t- same way I approached last time, you know. It's just um, just let my agent and uh, let him uh, handle it. Um, now, I really don't have to be in a rush, you know, Jim. I can be wait. I can really wait. Be patient. There's a lot of different ways I can take it and just see what who's going to be the best contenders to be able to that, – that needs a corner. So, um, it's really – I don't have to be in any rush at all, and I can be patient. I get that. Chris Harris, Jr., my guest. So, Chris, what about – do you see a scenario maybe where you see yourself staying with the Chargers? Is that something that would interest or appeal to you? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, just uh, seeing uh, – the what Coach Staley and them was brought in there, um, understanding that uh, this defense, uh, with the system takes longer more than one year to be able to connect. Uh, it's a lot of it's a lot of verbiage, a lot of communication. So um, you count if everybody's not playing their position right, it can mess up the whole entire defense. So I think uh, going in another year with the, with the guys and building that chemistry on defense would, would be way much better. All right. I mean, so like that, that makes sense to me, right? You've invested a lot of time yeah. already and you want to build upon that. In addition to that, though, when you look around, you look at where you are in your life, you look at where you are in your career, what are the most important factors in the next thing? Is it scheme? Is it a chance to win another ring? Or is it about something else? What are your priorities? Yeah. Uh, I would say it's, um, it's really about um, winning, you know. That's all it's about. It's finding that team that's a contender. Um, is it? It's been tough for me in my career because I've been to AFC West my whole career. I've never, I haven't been out. So, uh, and you see how much time we have in, with the Chiefs, the Raiders, uh, the Broncos. So uh, it's always been tough. So it's just really, uh, really, uh, if I don't stay in the AFC West with the Chargers, I would love to get out the division and go somewhere else for sure. That's an awesome answer, and I get exactly yeah. what you're saying, man. That makes sense to me. All right, so as long as I have you, a few more things we got to talk about. One of the things I've always enjoyed about my conversations with you is how you can break down the game and you can break down the league. As you look mm-hmm. ahead to the Super Bowl, Chris, you faced the Bengals during the regular season. You beat them 41-22 in a game where the defense gave Joe Burrow some problems. How were you guys yeah. able to have the kind of success against him that you did? Really, you gotta um, you got to be able to pressure him and be able to make him uh, take a little bit longer uh, in his thought process, you know. Um, he he loves Chase. you got to figure out a way to be able to take a deep threat away from him, um, have tight coverage on board because he's like their move-to-change guy. And um, you got to be ready for um, T, T. Higgins. I think he's a guy that can um, definitely uh, give them a chance to win the game versus the Rams. Uh, being that surprise receiver that everybody's going to forget about, uh, I think T. Higgins is the guy that can have a big game. So, but uh, when Joe Burrow, he's an excellent quarterback. He's a guy who can scramble. Um, he can make throws in the pocket and outside the pocket. Uh, he can do it all, man. He's very strong. He's not a um, uh, you know easy quarterback to bring down. 
And like Big Ben, you got to tackle, tackle the ball with him. So um, uh, it's very impressive to see what, what these young guys are doing early in their career. See, that's what I mean. I like talking to you about the other matchups and breaking things down. Chris Harris Jr., my guest, you mentioned Big Ben, so let me ask you about that. Ben Roethlisberger, Tom Brady, both retired in the past week. You tweeted that Ben, Brady, and Philip Rivers were your favorite guys to battle against. What was it about those three guys that made it so fun to go to battle with them? Uh, what made it so fun to go to battle with, go to battle with yeah, Why don't you uh, single out all three of those guys, actually? Okay. Man, just, you know, that competitiveness, and, you know, you, you got to study. You got to be prepared when you face those three guys. They're going to keep you up. They're, they're, they're going to know all your weaknesses. They're going to know what plays to attack you on. So when you face those guys, um, you got to be double prepared. So you got to understand they know everything, what you, how you're moving. Uh, a lot of people within the game plan, they always looked at the nickel. So I understood those three guys did the same thing. So, uh, Got to be able to disguise your your, your uh, alignments, move around, and uh, you know they're some of the most accurate quarterbacks to ever play the game. So now it's funny to see that now we have the new era, and these guys can run and they can throw. You know, it's totally different. So it's uh, it's good to see the evolution. Yet they get off their spots to be sure. So of the three that we just talked about, who gave you the most challenges and problems, and why? Mm. Ooh, that's a good one right there. I'm gonna have to go with Big Ben. Hmm. Big Ben, Brady, them two. Uh, well, you know, we we got the, I got to face those two guys probably the most. But I would say uh, Big Ben, man, he was such a great deep ball thrower. I think one of the best ever uh, in the game at throwing the deep ball. So I would say Big Ben, um, Tom Brady. He he's definitely a guy that worked the middle. He worked the slot a lot. So uh, Brady improved my game on on how to cover slots in motion, being able to uh, always have Welker in motion, Edelman in the motion, those guys. And I think he helped improve my game and being able to cover guys on the run. Chris Harris Jr. joining me. So, Chris, when you look at the Rams, obviously they're going to pre- present some problems for the Bengals and Joe Burrow and vice versa. But I'm curious about Jalen Ramsey. As one defensive back evaluating another, what is it about Ramsey that makes him elite, in your opinion? Man, being able to play everything. You know, he's, he's been able to play every position in the secondary, wherever they need him, physical, um, has great ball skills and great size. When you see a guy... Uh, Ramsey's about 6'2", 6'1", 6'2", great size, long arms. and uh, So it's going to be a great matchup with him and Chase. That's, this is a matchup that you want to see. Um, you want to see the top receiver right now, top um, um, corner right now. So um, I'm interested to see who's going to come out on that. Um, Chase is very strong. He's like a running back once he gets the ball. He reminds me of like a bigger Steve Smith. So uh, once he gets the ball, he's very aggressive. So it's going to be a great matchup to watch. Chris Harris Jr. is joining us. Listen, I want to ask you before you go, it's been nearly two months, Chris, since Demarius Thomas passed away. You played with him in Denver, and he was somebody that I always enjoyed talking to and watching play. For people who did not get to spend time with him or know him really at all, how would you describe him as a person and as a teammate? Man, he was – he was Demarius is a person that always led by example. You know, as a teammate, he was never always, never vocal, never too vocal. He could be, but he always led by example. He always came into work ready. Um, he was banged up with a lot of injuries, but this guy never complained, never um, always put in the work to get a, be out there on the field injured or, you know, fully healthy. He was always out there, man. So as a person, he was always a loving person, um, you know, never – Never um, see DT in any confrontation, man. He was always that guy that was that glue guy. And it's sad to see him go, man. So um, it just really reminds us that life is life is short and just make the most of it. Well, you're so right. It was really, really sad to see him go. Listen, before you go, it was reported that the Raiders were hiring Dave Ziegler as their GM. You were really enthusiastic about that on Twitter. I'm curious, what do you yeah. like about that hire and what kind of a role did he play in your career? Yeah. Man, Dave is one. He's the guy that got me. He's one of the guys that found me. So, you know, he has a, he's done that a lot. You know, when you look over his career uh, with the Patriots in Denver, uh, I mean, this guy is ready. So I think um, 
you think just waiting for that right opportunity, I think, and just being able to get a chance to go to the Raiders. They also picked up one of one of the guys too named Champ Kelly from the Bears. He was with me in Denver. Um, he'll be a great um, assistant GM with them. So I kind of like what they're doing over there. I think they're having they're going to be much improved. Uh, um, I like uh, what they're doing with with the management. And, uh, uh, so they're, they're definitely uh, much improved than they were in the past. Dude, I do too. I had Josh McDaniels on the show yesterday, and I thought he came off really, really well. I really like what he had to say. Yeah. I, I do like what they're doing. Listen, no matter where you are, Chris, you've always done a great job about giving back. I want to ask you about something. You recently did a virtual visit to Children's Hospital in Los Angeles where you read a number yeah. of books to the kids virtually. It yeah. was clear how much they enjoyed it. How much did you enjoy that? How much did you get out of it? Oh man, I definitely enjoyed it. Just seeing those girls and uh, you know them going through those uh, sicknesses and, and what they're going through, they're fighting. Just really, just gave me more motivation that you know there's no time. Nobody can complain. We just got to keep pushing. You know, keep working every day. And uh, uh, to see those little girls, that's just you know that's part. Of, that's our role, Jim. You know, to be able to uplift them, uh, make give them hope, and uh, and uh, help give them confidence that they can keep pushing and. Uh, and, and 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 get out that hospital and uh, you know live the normal life as kids. So um, that's what, that's all it's about. Good for you. I love it. He is a Super Bowl champ already. He's a member of the 2010s All Decade Team. Three times an All Pro. Four times a Pro Bowler. A free agent to be. He broke down the Super Bowl as well. Good friend of the program. He is Chris Harris Jr. Chris, I appreciate you. Always good to have you on. Thanks so much. Oh yeah, no problem, man. Thanks for having me. Never bet alone ever again. You can join in on the action by downloading WinBet today and become a part of the newest sports betting app on the market. That's right, WinBet. The luxury hoteliers are now in the digital betting space and they're offering that same five-star service that you're used to from Win Resorts, all in the form of a sports book and digital casino app. Get exclusive rewards right at your fingertips. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports. From football, basketball, hockey, golf, tennis, and more. Great promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now at WinBet. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, we have what you need to win. Are you ready to play? Sign up right now. Receive a special offer. Risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download. Bet. Win. Download the WinBet app right now or visit wynnbet.com and start winning. Terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough WinBet is available. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. And a preview of NHL All-Star Skills as well. Mike Rupp is my guest. Mike, it's been a moment or two, but good to have you on the show. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, man. Uh, looking forward to this weekend at the All-Star Game. Not a better place in Vegas to have it. All right, so what about that? The All-Star Weekend does start tomorrow. What are you looking forward to most of all and experiencing this weekend? Give me a quick preview. Yeah, so the, the NHL's got two new competition skills competitions they're putting in there, and they're going to be uh, out in the fountains there. Um, what is that, in front of the Bellagio? And they're going to have the uh, – they're going to have kind of floating – pods i guess the little space off dots and they're gonna have target shooting out there so you're gonna have the players going out there via a little boat and they're gonna be out on a little bit of an island they're gonna do some target practice uh, i think that'll be awesome and then they've also have uh kind of a i guess the best way of explaining it, it's like playing blackjack with a big giant board with uh with cards and you got to shoot and if you hit that card you got it you can bust you got to beat the house all those good things i mean this got vegas written all over it and uh, I'm here for it. I can't wait. That's fun. Mike Rubb joining us. All right, so Anaheim Ducks rookie Trevor Zegris is going to be a part of the breakaway challenge. He's been generating so much buzz over the course of the season, including with the Michigan last week. What do you think when you watch him play? Um, he's cold-blooded. He doesn't care. He's going to play the way he wants to play. There's some people who think that, hey, you know, that's not, ah, man, this is not the way hockey used to be, you know, used to be played, but there's this, New push. It's skilled. It's uh, the skill development at young ages. Now you're seeing kids and young players be able to do things that you never imagined a player could do with a stick and puck. So uh, this kid doesn't care. He goes out and does it. And the crazy part about it, though, is like it, you would have a problem with it if it was like, yeah, he pulled off the move one out of six times. Like he's pull, he tried the move once, scored on it once. He did what they're calling the uh, the flying Z, where he does the same thing, picks it up behind the net 
tosses the puck over the net to his teammate, <laughs> bats it out of the air, and puts it in. He's one for one on those. So it's not like he's doing wasted plays. He's doing ill-advised plays that are driving coaches nuts. He's pulling these things off at a 100% clip right now. So I love this kid, and uh, he's going to play the game with the way he plays it. Mike Rupp is joining us. So, like, take me back, for instance, I agree with you. Like, it works. It works, right? But back in the day, if he had tried that, how do you think the opposing defenseman would have responded? Oh, he, he'd be out four to six weeks. Right. <laughs> not a chance. Not a chance he'd be playing. Um, you know, I, there was a time where, you know, hey, listen, you, gotta, you still got to get ticked off if that happens to you out there. I'd be, I'd be ticked. But listen, you mad at yourself. You mad at that, you know, you let this happen here. I mean, the, the fact that the kid tried it, there actually was a time where not only him trying it from the opponent getting upset, your teammates would get upset. You come back to the bench and, you know, you think you're showboating. And it's, it, I, there's a time and a place for it. And if you, if you have someone, I, I, if you're going to go out there and not execute it, then, and you're going to keep trying it, if I'm the coach, you've got to sit the player down. But this isn't the case here. Uh, you know, times are changing. We're seeing Connor McDavid, Nathan McKinnon's, um, Trevor Zegras type players. I'll tell you what, hockey, and you know from watching all sports, hockey doesn't always get the attention. Well, this Trevor Zegras play got like 50 million views overnight on, uh, on YouTube. So, I mean, that's a good thing. I, I say let's do some more of that. Oh, you bet. It's, it's absolutely awesome, and especially if you can and he can. Mike Rupp is joining us. Now, your podcast, That's Hockey Talk, you were telling a story about the first time you met Sidney Crosby, and you guys were doing a medicine ball toss as part of a physical test when you arrived at training camp. First off, how far did you throw the medicine ball initially, and then what was Crosby's reaction? Yeah, no, it's uh, so we have our we have our testing, and you know certain things like chin ups. Like I'm six five, two forty when I played. I can't do like in my finest day. If I did six chin ups, that's amazing. But then you get some guys that are you know five eight, one hundred and sixty five pounds. They could do thirty five, forty chin ups. So certain things were better for certain guys. The medicine ball throw for me and my size that 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 was my that was my right my wheelhouse. It shouldn't have necessarily been for Sid, but it was, and he made it. So I threw the first one and. You know, we're, we're, we're doing physical testing. I'm trying to get the best I can. So I throw it 25, 25 feet. Uh, I remember moving on to another station to do some more testing. And I just met Sid a couple days before. Don't really know him. And uh, pops his head in the room and he goes, hey, Rupper, what did you get uh, on the med ball throw? He knew what I got. I'm like, I got 25 feet. He goes, I got 26. Hmm. Turned around and walked out. And I'm like, all right, cool. So I go back out there. And this is all off the record with the training staff. And I'm like, all right. We know we got our scores situated. Let's let's see what we got now. So I throw it, bang, twenty seven. Sid comes in, kneels down next to me, bang, twenty nine. I go, boom, thirty. He goes, boom, thirty one. So that's my point here. It's like not only does this guy want to be the best, that's a perfect example of how he makes players around him better. Like I gave everything I could, or I thought I did, at twenty five. I threw about fifteen more balls. My my uh, arms are feeling like rubber, and I got to, you know. Six more, six more yards, seven more yards, hours, seven more feet out of it. So uh, Sidney Crosby, man, he wants to be the best at every single thing. <laughs> that is a wild story. Mike Rupp joining us. Mike, one more thought. The Rangers are tied on points or in points in the Metropolitan Division. You've said that you think that they're going to win a Stanley Cup in the next four years. What have you seen from them that makes you say that that could happen or that this even could be the year? Uh, they've got a, they're age appropriate. They have all their guys coming up kind of at the same time. Um, you know they've got a really nice blend. It's not like they have a couple guys 33, 34, 35 years old, then some 20 year olds. Like they've got kind of a really nice blend. They've got the reigning Norris Trophy winner for the best defenseman in the league. They've got who I think is right now and probably will be for the next few years the best goalie in hockey, and Igor Shosturkin. Chris Kreider, who they have, these are probably their, one of their oldest players. He's leading the league in goals right now. Um, and that's not even talking about Artemi Panarin, who is world-class. I mean, he's, he's got to be in those conversations with Connor McDavid as far as point producers. Um, they just have all those pieces. And they did a proper rebuild. They, they drafted well. They developed well. And they've got another wave of young guys coming up behind. I mean, they're going to win a cup here soon. Mike Rupp is a Stanley Cup champion and an NHL Network analyst. And again, you can watch him on NHL tonight on the NHL Network throughout the season, but also live from Vegas for NHL All-Star Weekend, getting it away tomorrow, Friday, 10 a.m. Pacific and 1 p.m. Eastern for Media Day. Plus, you got that preview of NHL All-Star Skills. Mike, great to have you on. Thanks so much. Have a great weekend.
Awesome, man. Enjoy. Isaiah Spiller is my guest. Isaiah, good to have you on the show. How are you? I'm doing good. How about you? I'm doing great. It's great to talk to you. So you made the decision to enter the draft early on. Obviously, that's going to bring you a step closer to realizing your NFL dream. Was it a tough decision for you, or was it something that just felt right? Uh, it was definitely a tough decision. Um, you know, being with those guys in and out every day for like three years, um, knowing I had an extra year. Um, it was really tough, but um, I really think that um, I was really ready to to pursue my dream, and um, I think I had a great opportunity this year to do it. You know, you have that, but let me ask you this. The program capped off an amazing recruiting class. When you see a group like that, is there any part of you that's tempted to come back and give it one more shot to see how good the team can be next year? Did that enter your mind at all? Um, For sure it did. Um, You know, the recruiting class, um, you know, number one in the country. Um, So I think that's just a testament to what we have done on the field and um, I think that I I really did consider it, um, considering I know those guys and I grew up with them. So it was just um, a last-minute decision for me. So Isaiah Spiller joining us. You, know, you just mentioned that it's a testament to what you guys did on the field. Interesting because Jimbo Fisher was really fired up yesterday when he was asked about the suggestions that recruits are going to Texas A&M because of the massive payouts in mm-hmm. NIL deals. What do you make of the coach's comments, and what's your reaction when you hear people say that the players are going to A&M for the money? Um, I think it's just not good. Um, I think that most of those guys, I've talked to them, and they've came because of the stadium. Uh, They love the fans. They love the school. And obviously, we beat Alabama this year, and that played a big part in getting some of those guys to come and just believing in what Jimbo is trying to start. And um, I think that um, to say that about the NIL thing isn't just is not right. We're talking Isaiah Spiller. Let me ask you this: Your father, Fred, played at A and M as well. So, what did it mean to you to play at the same school as your dad? Uh, it meant everything. Um, my dad taught me everything. He showed me pictures growing up of him on the field. So, just playing, um, just playing there and uh, making him proud is really important to me. And um, I wouldn't have it any other way. See, the thing is, your dad had dreams of playing in the NFL, but his college career was cut short by a back injury. In fact, it was so severe, he could have been paralyzed if he continued to play, but he got his degree. He put a lot of time and energy in you as you started your football career. So how would you describe the relationship between you and your father? Um, It is great. Um, My dad's like my best friend. Uh, I tell him everything. Um, You know, he really encourages me. Um, He critiques me, so... Um, it's really good having him on my side, you know. He could tell me what I need to work on, what I need to do. Um, just always there to support me, and um, I'm grateful for him. Isaiah Spiller getting ready for the NFL draft. Something that the scouts rave about is your vision, especially as you're getting through traffic and hitting a hole. Let me ask you about that. Is that something that you've worked on, or is that kind of a gift that maybe you were born with and something you can't really teach? Um, it was kind of both. Um, I've Realized I could do it when I was little, and then uh, I kept working on it with uh, footwork team, Rashad, just um, cutting in between the tackles, knowing where the blocks are going, and um, just understanding the play. And um, I think that really helped me um, in my development as a player. I was going to ask you about that. You have done a lot of work, in fact, dating back to when you were really young with the man known as the footwork king. Like, what kind of work and drills do you do with him, and then how does that show up on the field? Um, just uh, how to cut in tight spaces, um, how to cut when the play breaks down. Um, I think that really correlates when people miss blocks. You can even get yards out of a broken play. Um, I think that's what he's really taught me, um, you know, and just always moving forward, um, never going back. Um, just gaining yards as a running back is very important. And um, I think Rashad has helped me a lot. And um, I think um, it's a great relationship between me and him. And can't wait to get back work, to work with him. Isaiah Spiller getting ready for the NFL draft. Look, you're your own guy. But when you look at the NFL, are there any running backs that you try to learn from or borrow from or emulate? Any guys that maybe remind you of you? Um, yeah, definitely. Um, Le'Veon Bell. um Probably like Joe Mixon, 
Um, I watch a lot of Jonathan. He did really good this year. Um, so I watch a lot of guys in the league, um, you know, watch different parts of their game, try to add it to mine. You know, you can learn from anybody. So um, I think that uh, I, I'll be ready. Right, so you're getting a lot of attention and a lot of run as possibly becoming the first running back to be taken in this year's draft. What would it mean to you to be the first back off the board? Is it something that's important to you? Um, yes, sir. It is important to me. Um, just putting in the work. I mean, I put in the work, the time and effort. Um, I did what I need to do on the on and off the field. And um, I feel like I can be the first back taken off the board if I put in the work every day and just keep grinding it out. So, Isaiah, what's it like right now? You're three months away from the draft. You're less than a month from the combine. Knowing that, when you talk about putting the work in, what's a normal day in your life like right now? And then how much are you enjoying this process? Um, I enjoy it a lot, um, getting to work in the mornings. Uh, and then we got PT in the afternoons. And then um, got to work out again. So, like, two or three workouts a day. Um, you know, it's just a, a normal day in my life. Um, you know, just grinding every day. Um, not thinking about it, just working and um, trying to make my times better and so I can perform at the combine. And then when you get with teams and you start to meet with teams, what do you want them to know about you as a player and a member of a team? Um, that I'm a team guy. Um, I'm going to give my all every day. Um, I'm going to work hard regardless of how I'm feeling. And, um, you know, I'm just I'm there for the team and whatever the team needs me to do, I'm going to do it. I think what you just said is way more important than people picked up on. You just said, I'm going to work hard no matter how I'm feeling. I mean, that, that's a really important attribute. Where did that come from? Um, that just came from, I think, really Coach, Coach Jimbo um, instilling that into us. All, every time, standard over feelings is what we um, implied this year. Um, no matter how we feel, it's always staying up to the standard. Um, so I think that really helped our team a lot and me. So. I'm for that. I'm going to say it again. I think that's something else you just said. That is one of my favorite lines ever, and it's something I try to live by, and I go by it every single day. I'm so glad you said that. Standard sure. over feelings. Standard over feelings. Like, if we, if every one of us, I don't want to get real preachy here, but mm -hmm. if we all applied that standard over feelings, I mean, can you imagine how much better everybody's life would be? Would you agree? Yes, sir. It would be very much <laughs> I love standard over feelings. So given that, all the work you've put in, the sacrifices you've made, the sacrifices your father and your family have made, what do you think it's going to feel like on draft night when you hear your name called and your NFL dream becomes reality? Um, I think it's going to be a side of relief. Um, not too much relief, but um, a little relief in myself, um, you know, that I accomplished my dreams. Um, now I made my parents proud. Um, and um, I'm just going to be ready to get back to work and give them all. Yes, sir. NFL Draft is getting underway on April 28th in Las Vegas. He is a two-time All-SEC player, had a really, really good career at Texas A&M. Isaiah Spiller, my guest, and he closes the show for us. Isaiah, great talking to you. Thanks so much. Listen, have a great time getting ready for that draft, and we'll look to see where you get taken. I'll look forward to it. Yes, sir. Thank you. Good night now!